abs- absolutely delighted to be with you this morning. Um, I think what I'd like to do is permit me to open in a brief word of prayer. Father, thank you so very much for this opportunity, for this privilege, for this honor to teach your word. Uh, Help me to get out of your way and teach us what you want us to learn this morning. Help us to apply that to our lives. And I pray that we all will leave here knowing more about you and therefore loving you more and therefore following you more closely. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I feel like if there's a specific reason uh, that Marion asked me to teach this morning, it's because of my involvement with the young adult Bible study. And so I want to mention that to you for starters. Um, we have been meeting, gosh, for over five years now. And um, I would say that uh, the age group is 18 to 30. Therefore, everybody's a young adult, but the discussion facilitator. Um, But so, 18 to 30, young adult, uh, we meet every Wednesday night from 7 to 8.30. So, if you happen to be in that age demographic, we would love to have you join us. Just a note. And so then, I thought, well, since I'm here as the leader of the young adult Bible study, why wouldn't we just do our own mini Bible study? So that's what we're fixing to do. Um, We are studying the Gospel of John, and so I thought that it would make sense for us to do an introduction to John, an overview of John, a summary of John, whatever you want to call it. And I have a handful of hopes. I hope that this brief lesson will get you to take a second, third, fifth, or tenth look at the Gospel of John. And I hope that you will realize what beautiful messages there are in this Gospel for you personally, for you to share with your non-Christian friends, for you to share with your Christian friends that for whatever reason are not as sold out to Jesus as we ought to be. So, with that brief intro, let's get started. I want to talk about the purpose of the Gospel of John. And this comes, we see this in chapter 20, verses 30 through 31. And I, want you, I also want you to know that this will be the only quote we have today that comes from anyone other than Jesus. And this is, um, this is John the Apostle, the author of the book, the disciple that Jesus loved, and here is what he says as to why he wrote the Gospel of John. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, 
and that by believing you may have life in his name. That is why the Apostle John wrote this book, that we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, have life in his name. Now, having said that, we are going to go to the words of Jesus now. Um, and from here on, I'll be quoting Jesus. And so let's go ahead and uh, bring up the theme verse of the Gospel of John. I bet that the average person here would have guessed this. If you were given a multiple choice test, I guarantee you that you would have gotten this. But the, the theme verse of John, or the key verse, is John 3.16. I bet each one of you could come close to quoting it. I'm going to make an editorial comment or three. If you can't quote it, what are you waiting on? Okay. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. I, I think I'll, let me do the whole verse and then we'll come back. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Now I'm going to go back and break that down just a little bit. For God so loved the world. That does not mean just white people from first world countries. It doesn't just mean people of color from third world countries. It doesn't mean just people of color from first world countries. I hope I'm not doing a bad job of leaving out a group. You get the point. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, once again, whoever, that is not just United Methodist, that is not just people who attend RUMC, it includes all denominations. It includes non-denominations. It includes people who were like me when I was in 11th grade, I was unchurched. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So you're probably sensing that a key word in the uh, gospel of John is believe. Now, my ADD is too great for me to sit and count the number of times the word believe is used in the gospel of John. So I asked my good buddy, Brian Broadhurst, if he would go through the gospel of John and count the number of times. I know you're here somewhere, Brian, with the lights and the light reflecting off my shiny forehead. I can't find you, but anyhow. So Brian was kind enough to count the number of times the word believe is said in the Gospel of John, and it's 98 times. 98 times the word believe is mentioned in the Gospel of John. It's a key word. If we were to title this lesson, we'd probably do something like call it believe. Um, so now, to further, excuse me, I split an infinitive, further to make that point, let's look at a couple more verses. We're going to look at the works of God and the will of God. I'm guessing that there are books written on the works of God. I know there are books written on the will of God. But let's take a look at 
John 6, before we do, or maybe John 6, 28 and 29, but y'all stop and think just for a handful of seconds, what do you think the works of God would be? I mean, you know, off the top of my head, it would have, it would be attending church weekly, it would be tithing, it would be serving in some capacity, among others. Let's see what Jesus has to say about the work of God. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Here is where Jesus, I just love Jesus for this. He practices the KISS principle when the KISS principle ought to be practiced. If you don't know the KISS principle, that's keep it simple, stupid. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That ain't rocket science. The work of God is to believe in the one he has sent. That ought to help us breathe a sigh of relief and realize that we don't have to work so darn hard to earn his love, to earn his acceptance. All we have to do is believe in the one he sent. All right, now let's take a look at the will of God. I, um, I, I know at least one book, um, we've studied this in young adult Bible study, it's called The Will of God by Leslie Weatherhead, and it was written before I was born. It was written right after World War II, and it covers the intentional will of God, the circumstantial will of God, and the ultimate will of God. It's a beautiful brief book that helps you get your arms around the will of God. And I will just, I'll I'll tell you one thing that he makes very clear. The will of God has nothing to do with death, suffering, pain. That is not the will of God. So let's see what Jesus said is the will of God in John 6, 40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I'll raise them up at the last day. Once again, you don't need to have a four-year degree from Auburn, even if it took you five years to get it, to get this. My Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. That is God's will, that we believe in Jesus, we have eternal life, and he raises us up at the last day. Now, I think it's important to to talk about what this word believe really means. we've, We've already established that he mentions it 98 times in the gospel. So, um... I want to tell you about a trip that I made to Niagara Falls about a year ago. Um, And I went with a friend, I won't mention the friend's name, but I went with a friend and we got to Niagara Falls and there was this tightrope stretched across Niagara Falls. And my friend says to me, Kramer, I double dog dare you to walk across that tightrope across Niagara Falls. Now, 
what is a fellow supposed to do when he's been double dog dared? He has no choice but to walk on the tightrope across Niagara Falls. So I did. And, and now let me mention at this point that this story may not be 100% accurate. <laughs> and let me also say that I may be embellishing a little bit. So my friend said, hey Kramer, that was good, but you see that wheelbarrow? I double dog dare you to push the wheelbarrow on the tightrope across Niagara Falls. So I did. Did I mention what an exceptional athlete I was? So it was easy for me to do this. And then lo and behold, in the crowd that's applauding, it's, it's deafening the applause is so loud for this feat that I've done. In the crowd, I happened to see Charlie and Maggie Rogers. And just for the record, Maggie is clapping much louder than Charlie. Um, and they're clapping, and so I made eye contact with Charlie, and I said, Charlie, do you believe that Maggie could get in this wheelbarrow, and I could push Maggie, your brand new bride, in this wheelbarrow on the tightrope across Niagara Falls? And Charlie said, Kramer, I've seen you. Of course I believe you could do that. And then I said, okay, Charlie, let's take this one step further. Do you believe that you could get in the wheelbarrow and I could push you on the tightrope across Niagara Falls? I'm not going to tell you Charlie's answer. But here's my point. That's the kind of belief that Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about a mere intellectual assent. He's not talking about what the demons do. The demons believe that there is one God. And their response is they tremble. So when Jesus talks about, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, he's not talking about believing something very shallow. He's talking about the kind of belief where you trust, where you commit, where you surrender. That's the kind of belief that he's talking about. And so here's where um, I feel like this brief overview of John is such a wonderful message to non-Christians and Christians alike. Because after you examine the claims of Christ, I just have to wonder, why would you not trust him, believe in him? Why would you not surrender to him? All right, so now back to what Jesus has to say. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus makes a very simple statement. And since this is an overview of John, I'll tell you very quickly, John 10 is a beautiful chapter. If reading 21 chapters is too overwhelming for you, try John 10, chapter 10. Jesus talks about being the gate. He talks about being the good shepherd. And then he states very clearly the reason he came. He came, we'll just skip the first part and get to the reason he came. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. He's talking about his sheep. He is the good shepherd. He's talking about his sheep. And the reason he came is that his followers might have life, eternal life, and have it to the full, overflowing, abundant. That's why Jesus came. 
He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world and for his followers to have life and to have it to the full. Now, I also want to make a couple other points of some of the benefits for those of us who follow Jesus. And this is also, it's it's an interesting point here. Um, For example, we don't tithe to get God's blessings, or at least we shouldn't, just for the record. You shouldn't tithe to get God's blessings. But when you do tithe, you know what happens? You get God's blessings. Not necessarily blessed with financial wealth, but you get God's blessings. In the same way, we don't follow Jesus to get all the fringe benefits, but when we follow Jesus, there are some pretty special things that happen for us. An abundant life that we've just mentioned, life to the full that we've mentioned. And now let's look at John 15, 11. This too is another great chapter in the book of John. This is the chapter that deals with Jesus being the vine and we're the branches, and he talks about uh, he's the vine, we're the branches. If we remain in him, um, we will bear much fruit. And he makes several other statements, but then he gets to John 15, 11, and he says, I have told you this, and that's what I just told y'all. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus wants our joy to be complete. Let's keep going. Then in John 16, um, another wonderful chapter. This, This deals with the Holy Spirit. And in so many words, Jesus is telling his followers, hey, I want you all to know that I'm fixing to leave. And when I do leave you, It's better for you that I do leave because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you, to live in you, and you will actually do greater things than I do because the Holy Spirit is in you. So, John 16, 33, he says, I've told you these things, what I just told y'all, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. What a beautiful message for us today, and especially for the people in Louisiana who are, you know, you're actually supposed to pronounce Louisiana, Louisiana, but I feel like a Yankee every time I say Louisiana, Louisiana. So the people in Louisiana... Bless their hearts, a cat five is coming their way. The people in Afghanistan, I, I, I would love to tell y'all that I'd know what they're going through, but I have no idea what they're going through. But I do know that Jesus, one reason he came was for us to have peace. He concludes with, in this world you will have trouble but take heart, I have overcome the world. So, um, I, won't, I won't be able to say this properly, but our praise band, the song was a perfect lead-in to the way I want to close. And I, 
you know, I'm, I'm not going to get the quote ex exactly right, but one of y'all, wherever you are, you could, you could help me with that. Um, I believe in the Son, and I am free indeed. Somebody tell me what that exact line was. Say that louder, whoever said that. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Who, who the Son sets free is free indeed. So I didn't, um, I don't have this verse included, but it's John 8, 31 and 32. And I, and I want to conclude with this. Um, to the Jews who had believed in Jesus, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. There's an excellent measurement of if we are really his disciples, if we hold to his teaching. He goes on to say, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So we'll know the truth, and the truth is Jesus. And if we know Jesus, he will set us free. And I stopped and thought about, so free from what? And I think, I think it, you could summarize it, free from the penalty of sin, a wonderful message for our non-Christian friends, free from the penalty of sin, free from the power of sin, a wonderful message for us, the closer we follow Christ, the more obedient we are to Christ, and the more we will be set free from the power of sin. And then thanks be to God, one day we will be saved from the presence of sin. <clears throat> Thus endeth what I wanted to share with y'all. Um, I would like to close in a word of prayer. And um, I'll stick around if anybody happens to want to ask me a question. I'd love to ask for questions now, but I'm afraid somebody would challenge me and I wouldn't know what to say. So I'm going to do that afterwards and let y'all come up if you have any questions questions that you want to ask. So, uh, pray with me as I close us in prayer, please. Um, Father, I thank you for the beautiful message in your word in general, but specifically in the gospel of John. Um, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for loving the world so much that you sent your son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And thank you, Jesus, for being, to will it, for being willing to die in our place on the cross for our sins. And thank you that you want us to have life and that you want us to have it to the full. Thank you that you want us to experience your joy and your peace. And Father, as a group, I just offer um, a prayer for all people who are in harm's way today. Um, I won't try to elaborate. I won't try to be specific, but I offer a prayer for everyone who is in harm's way this morning that somehow, some way, you can touch their hearts in a special way and help them to feel the peace that you want them to feel. The peace that, as the Apostle Paul describes, that passes all understanding. 
And we say these things, pray these things in the name of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.